0: Welcome to Small Big Wins, a podcast that curates stories of folks who use their courage, caliber and conviction to transform people's lives. They always look beyond personal gains and strive for the greater good. Their stories often begin with a dream as their only means. Folks who allow the soft lights of their hearts to be their guide even when circumstances threaten to harden them. Folks who start small but when big. Hi, I'm Harshwardhan Jaju. Let's begin. We are in conversation with Nidhi Arora today. Nidhi has done pioneering work in the service of the visually challenged, which includes the introduction of Braille visiting cards and conceptualizing and creating one of India's largest online audio libraries in various multiple Indian languages available for free not only for the visually challenged, but for everyone and available without a login. Another of her pioneering work includes the Children's Post of India, which is the first print at home daily for children. She is a product of IIM Calcutta and also a leader and expert in the space of human capital management. Nidhi, a very warm welcome to the 51st episode of Small Big Wins.
1: What an auspicious number. Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you so much, Nidhi. Nidhi, I was reading a bit about you. And uh, what I saw that before some two decades, you saw a movie called Sparsh. And that, it seemed to me from the reading that that was the trigger for you. Yes. To do something for the visually challenged. Yes. Now my question is that why was that movie the trigger for you? And also, is that the only trigger or was there something about your growing up, something from your parents, something else about your life conditions, which influenced you to do what you are doing, create what you have created?
1: Um, So uh, the way I tell this story is that uh, uh, as a child growing up pretty much alone, books were my best friend. For a while, they were also my only friend. Uh, And, uh, you know, children share their emotions with each other. For me, that reflection was books. Mm -hmm. And when I was seven or eight, uh, this movie Spursh appeared on TV. And in the first two and a half minutes, there is a scene in which a sighted child is reading a book to a blind child. Mm -hmm. And in the last two minutes, there is a scene in which the blind child is reading a story to the sighted child. The movie has excellent performances, great direction. But Nasiruddin Shah ek taraf, those two scenes determined my destiny that night. Because I saw that movie and I was like, how can a child be expected to grow up without books?
0: So other than that, there
1: is no... Uh,
0: and you were you were seven then?
1: Seven or eight, somewhere there.
0: And when you came out of the movie, a seven-year-old Nidhi decides, Ye karna hai?
1: ha ek din braille seekhenge aur kitabe banayenge.
0: Aur sur, aapne braille kab seekhi?
1: Uh, First year of college, NSS, they put up a notice as uh, I had joined NSS, which as you're aware is the National Service Scheme, in which students volunteer, it's a national program. So they put up a notice that we are asking for Braille volunteers. So whatever I was doing got dropped there and mine was the sixth name on that list. But uh, that was not the hard part. The hard part was we lived in a small house and Braille was, uh, so we used to do Braille on a Braille board with a stylus, with a manual stylus, which used to go tuck thup, thup, thup. So if you have to write a word like four, four, F-O-R, that's six khat khats. I used to do this Braille till about one or two a.m. in the morning, every single night. So the person you should be thanking is my dear mother who never came out and said, please let us sleep.
0: But from the age of seven, till you went to college, the first year of college, this flame remained kindled.
1: Oh, yes. I'm a fairly
0: patient person. Let me take the opportunity to thank your mother over here. But we read some things about her also that every time first time right.
1: Oh, yes. Oh, yes. She is is a tough taskmaster. And um, I think I thank her every single day today for being so strict with us at that time.
0: So you never got second chances?
1: You did not want to be the child who wanted second chances in my
0: house. And what would happen?
1: Um, I think I didn't make that mistake often enough to find out. (laughs) So
0: you talk somewhere about breaking a glass tumbler for seven days and then getting one again on the eighth day. That was
1: my aunt, yes.
0: What is that about? What are you hinting at?
1: Uh, so, you know, it's um, usually when a person makes a mistake, this was my aunt uh, back in Delhi. And especially as children, we tend to uh, say, I can't do this anymore. When she gave me that glass tumbler on the eighth day and said, to tumi, she was telling me, it's not you. It's the glass tumbler. And somewhere, I think, I don't know what her intention was. But my takeaway from that was, ki was me, so whenever there has been a failure, whenever there has been a, and obviously in this nature of work, there are hajar failures. Lots of times when, uh, even in Braille cards, lots of times some very well-placed wise people told me, Braille cards will never take off in India. Indians are not that sensitive. Mm. Uh, so many nights when I have, uh, you know, woken up at night and wondered, Kaise hoga? but that last tumbler remained. And I was like, we'll
0: do it. And, and today, as we speak, this Braille card thing happened from 17 years ago, I, I yes, believe. Yes. And today, as we speak, where do Braille cards stand in the country? we would oh, is- be
1: very happy to know this. When we started 2005, obviously, people asked, Braille cards kya hota hai? We uh, got, uh, you know, I, I'm very uh, grateful to Mahantesh of Samarthanam Trust because he believed in me. And I said, I want to, I want a blind professional to be doing these Braille cards. So he gave me a team of students who got trained on it, and it's a very difficult training. Uh, Chandrasekhar cleared that training, and Chandrasekhar uh, uh, started doing braille cards. And in these last 17 years, Chandrasekhar then inducted his brother Venkatesh. And uh, a good part of COVID was that Venkatesh and Chandru, who are both blind professionals, uh, incorporated a legal entity and they now run the Braille card service nationally as independent service professionals. And uh, by about 2008, we started hearing uh, Braille cards hota hai. and the IT companies were our first clients. They were a huge source of support. Okay. Uh, today, we get calls like, sir ko international conference ke liye jana hai, bina Braille ke ja sakte. Can your team do it for me in two days? Uh, So um, it is, it has come a very,
0: very long way. So I also read in one of your other interviews that, you know, this following this path was default for you. There was no question of any courage or bravado in this. It was just simply default. So this was therefore not anything which emerged out of transaction uh, it was purely a matter of the heart, not of the head. Is that right?
1: Absolutely, yes.
0: And still, there was no courage required.
1: Because when you're following your heart, everything flows so naturally. No, have you ever seen a river struggle with a rock?
0: Give us some example from your life
1: um, of not needing courage.
0: No, of of following the heart and everything falling in place.
1: Every single day of my life, when I started TCP, uh, children's post, uh, there was no and I did research this for one year, there was no daily available for children. If you wanted it, you had to get the school to subscribe. So obviously, if India holds the Guinness record for having the highest number of news publications in a single country in the world, Uh and we don't have a daily for children, there must be a very good business reason for it. Okay. unfortunately I did my research in how to start a daily instead of why there is no daily and what is the business reason for it so I uh, wrote about wanting a daily uh, on a Facebook group called Gurgaon Moms and I said we are looking for and within the first week my neighbor and uh, good friend Aditi she said "Acha, you're doing this I also want to do so she took up the Sunday editions and I was doing the other six editions and we were making them at home within the first month Seven mothers had joined. So we were doing seven mothers, seven editions a week. If that's not God intervening, I don't know what is.
0: Fantastic. That's inspiring. I think, I think so many of us, including me, we miss to see these small things.
1: <laughs> lots of times I tell people when they say, how do you do this at ISHA or TCP? I say, my job is to sit here and fret and fume and say, God, why are you doing this? Why are you blocking? Until a door opens magically and everything falls in place. So I will do my job of sitting and fretting.
0: And And the way you describe everything, do you ever get disturbed with life? Do you get disturbed with situations? One does. And how do you cope up with that?
1: I've been meditating for a very long time. And I firmly believe that while one is credited with doing all this work, uh, one is a medium, one really is not a doer. We make the mistake of thinking of ourselves as karta. We are not karta, we are just a madhyam. So I go sit at my meditation and say, okay, I have now fretted and fumed enough. Please make it happen. When you are a medium, the freedom that brings with it to know that you are doing work as a medium, as a channel, it brings a lot of freedom, it brings a lot of mental peace. And because you've been following your heart, there is joy and happiness in everything you do.
0: So no sense of doership?
1: No sense of doership, yes.
0: And and that was something within you or you got this from somewhere?
1: Think about it. Uh, India is a country of 1.3 billion people, right? What are the odds that one person will see a movie called Sparsh and decide that mujhe ek din braille hai. for 10 years, hold that also in her heart, go and do it. Is that really the doer? Mathematically, what is the probability of that being a doer?
0: No, you know, I need a lot of help if you ask me that question about calculating the probability, but yes, I, I get the spirit, I get the space from which you are speaking. But this was ingrained in you se Because you speak somewhere about how Gurudwaras became a very strong spiritual foundation for you.
1: Yeah, of, of I also, also for have, a while. Yeah. carried the story. Um, yeah. so whenever I'm asked how service is so integral to me, I tell them the story. And if my mother hears the story, she will not be happy. <laughs> is that uh, the, the, those were the days when monday to saturday we went to school sunday was the only chutti i am mm-hmm. a night person i hate getting up in the morning monday to saturday we would go to school sunday 8 o'clock kan pakad ke uthu, jana hai so we went to the gurudwara you can imagine how much we liked the gurudwara ab kirtan tak to because i really like kirtan kirtan ke baad shuru hota tha pravachan where they would go, Satkar Jog. The gentleman would start stand there and say, Satkar Jog. And all the kids would get up and exit. And in the Gurudwara, if you go, it is, um, uh, you must have noticed very young children, four and five-year-olds will pick up your shoes for you, put it in the token. Then when, you know, when you come back, they will first wipe that shoe and then give it to you, take your token and stuff. So children as young as four and five are always doing uh, so when we enter the gurudwara, we don't exit without doing seva. Right. You go, you do your matha tekna, you sit for a while, take your prasad, come out. Uske baad, it doesn't matter aap kya karte ho. ek usko utha ke do. Ya, you know, there's a little dirt somewhere, pick it up, clean it, do whatever. But you don't get out of a gurudwara without doing seva. So that is how seva became, I think... Uh, uh, yeah, I think that that's where seva became an integral part of our lives. If you enter a place, you don't exit without doing something good for that place. Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, coming to the online library, what you call Clubil.
1: Yes. <laughs> so
0: you are the full runner of the Clubil. Formally, there are a lot of volunteers. I understand.
1: Yes, hundred percent volunteer driven.
0: Yes, hundred percent volunteer driven. So, how have you have you Have you always found enough volunteers coming up to you? And more. I always have a waiting list. Is it? Always. And and these are the volunteers who are actually recording the books, right? Yes. In various different languages.
1: And, uh, you know, lots of times we don't have requirements from the blind school. But there is still a bunch of volunteers sitting there and waiting. Mm, I have a list of volunteers who are always there and waiting for a book to be assigned for them.
0: Mm. And uh, I was I was once talking to a gentleman called Dharmraj. He works Ooh. for India Welfare Trust, and he mm. heads the volunteering over there. And he said that in so many different things, we find very difficult to get volunteers mm. because if, if, in my experience, I think that a volunteer is always thinking about the fact that he's a giver; he is not a receiver. And when the volunteer starts thinking that he's a receiver, I think we will have a lot many more volunteers.
1: Yes, very true. So,
0: so, what do what do these boys and girls who help you with this? What do they receive?
1: So, when you join Isha, the first thing during induction is, and I'll do the same thing for you. Do you feel disabled or challenged?
0: No. Nope.
1: Okay. Uh, do you can you imagine what your dog feels when he looks at you?
0: Does. Maybe.
1: When your dog looks at you, he says, poor humans, I wonder how they survive. They can't smell to save their life. When your cat looks at you, she goes, I wonder how poor humans survive in the night. They are practically blind. They can't see. Even if they die, they can't see. They can't see to save their life. But you don't feel challenged. You don't feel disabled. You don't feel handicapped. Why is that? Ask this question in a room full of 300 people. None of them will feel disabled. Why? You've enabled the world for your disability. You don't die because you can't smell as well as your dog. You don't die because you can't see at night. You turn on the lights. Hmm. So the first thing you learn at ISHA is that there are no disabled in the world. Only disablers. If someone is disabled today, it is because you have not enabled the world for their disability. And when a person joins ISHA, this is the first thing they learn. Whether they're volunteering with us for an hour, a month, a year, or perpetuity, you will, on Isha material, you will never, ever see pictures of pity, pictures asking for compassion, pictures asking for sharing. The three keywords are dignity, empowerment, enablement. And we start with dignity. If you do not feel dignity, you cannot respect the person next to you. And therefore, none of my volunteers have this
0: giver complex. How did this come about? How did the the tenets of dignity, empowerment, enablement come about?
1: Did because you start
0: that, Isha like this? Sorry? Did you start Isha like this?
1: Yes, that's always been the backbone of Isha. When we started as a direct grail place for the person who needs the bow. At the heart of that was dignity, that the person should not have to depend on an institution or on anyone else to get a Braille book that they want. They get in touch with us and we send it to them.
0: And today, Isha, if known through word of mouth primarily...
1: Primarily yes and all our volunteers are our ambassadors. People who volunteered with us 10 years ago when they come across something like there was this news of a bionic eye, I must have got that link from at least 100 of my ex-volunteers and I'm very fortunate that people still think of their Isha volunteering time very fondly. We are strict, we are the only NGO that chooses volunteers, our rejection rate is high and we definitely make people work. So school students who volunteer with us, we tell them this is not a charity picnic, you will be working, you don't send in your deliverable one week, you're out. Hmm. And yet they think of us fondly.
0: Phenomenal. And about the children's post a little bit. Um, I believe that end of last year, you gave it a closure.
1: So we closed the print at home newsletter, uh, which was a daily. That's right. But the website continues. And yeah. I would like to take this opportunity to thank my children. Uh, we have a team of 16 trained empowered journalists, which are school students, who mm-hmm. went through a rigorous 16 module training, mm-hmm. assessment, cleared the assessments, and then joined us as student journalists. They're called empowered journalists, and they chose that name. Then next year, again, we onboarded a very small batch, three, four students, and uh, uh, so when in December we decided to close down, I informed everybody we are closing down and stuff. And the uh, the website I thought we'll keep for a while on a best effort basis. It is now June. The I thought, you know, the kids said, ma'am, we auntie we'll keep sending. They call us aunties. Auntie, we'll keep sending. I said, hai, bhejo jab tak aap se hote banta hai. I thought when the exams come, the kids will say we are not able to send any more and stuff. We're now sitting in June exams happened, exams ended, I did not even get to know. Mm -hmm. And earlier, I at least needed to review, correct a few things Today, the stories come ready to publish. So if the children's post website has continued, and it has continued and our readership has grown without doing anything, the SEO has grown on its own. It is thanks to these brilliant children of TCP.
0: And and what has been the reach of the children's post?
1: When we ended in December 2021, we were at 22 lakh children in India, and we were read, or uh, the website was being read in about 140 countries, which still so is.
0: for 22 lakh children every day.
1: Yes, in India.
0: Every day reading the children's post.
1: Every day getting the children's yeah, post, yeah. and then, of uh, course, reading we can't really tell.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Volunteers, these children who come to you for volunteering, read record books. Mm hmm what are they going out with? What experiences do they share with you? How how does it change them?
1: Okay, so one is they don't just read and record. Every year we do the Isha summer program which is now in its 12th year and it's a fairly structured student volunteering program. It's I think one of the most structured that we have in India but every student gets a choice of four or five different options. One of which is conducting sensitization initiatives like blind walks, which is a very small five to 10 minute intervention, but it leads to a lot of sensitization. So our kids choose what they want to do. Uh, the ones who record, I feel just go out with a small, this thing that they have contributed to something larger than themselves, but the blind walk children really and project management children, this this project was managed, project managed by students till two years ago. Mm -hmm. in fact even last year it was project managed by students this year we are doing it ourselves they go out with a huge learning Uh, in fact only today i've released the blind walk feedback videos so when the kids start doing they don't think it's going to be such a life-changing experience either for themselves or for other people but when they finish the blind walk and they open their eyes and they start talking at first, they are breathless. They're at a loss of words. Then slowly they find their voice and they start talking. Even after all these years, Arsh, just looking at those videos chokes me up because I know it has been a very deep experience for that child.
0: I need to be part of this very soon.
1: For sure.
0: <laughs> and in the journey of the online library um i read about it that it was created primarily for visually challenged and then yes. you just expanded the scope why not why not yes. for everybody yes hmm. but this is not something uh, which is for profit it is something which you are doing a lot of it out of your own personal uh time personal initiative how are you keeping it going
1: So at first, when I had a corporate career all the way up to December 2015, my salary paid for Isha. Uh, After that, uh, there have been some volunteers who for many, many years, every month, a certain amount comes into the Isha account. I never have to remind them. I never have to call or anything. And then my husband has been pitching in with his salary and Isha itself is a very lean model. We don't have an office. We don't have a lot of capital intensive processes. So, we are a fairly low expense organization.
0: When you have been talking about your volunteers and uh, the students, the visually challenged people who are getting benefited from this, I see a lot of human capital management experience coming into this place. Oh, yes. But what has this side of your learning taken to your human capital management side?
1: Talk to me about sensitization. Right. Talk to me about integrity at the workplace. So, uh, now when I advise leaders on their human capital management, I, um, I'm i very emphatic about the integrity of the senior leadership. A lot of times, and it's not easy, a lot of times when we go to hire senior leadership, we tend to pay a lot of attention to their. Uh, uh, to their deliverable metrics, to their line metrics. Like if you're hiring a sales head, we we'll look at how many accounts he got in his last job. If you're picking up a finance head, we we'll look at how many M&As he's managed, how many, uh, you know, what is the volume of the book that he's managed in his last organization? What is the level of complexity this leader has managed in his last organization? Uh, I will sit there and ask, uh, will he create an inclusive organization? Is he a wife-beater? Has he been let go for reasons of ethics? I don't think I would have been that sensitive to the integrity of leadership if it wasn't for... Because when you're on the receiving end of treatment, that is unfair. No, You view it very differently.
0: And when you say integrity, what is the big meaning of integrity for you? Because in general parlance, integrity is honesty. Where do you, what is your viewpoint on this?
1: Okay, that's a very interesting question. Um, Let me uh, make up a story because uh, uh, there was once a potter. Okay, The potter is a very good potter. He's very skillful. He makes very beautiful things with his hands and stuff. Now, the thing is that the potter, underpays the woodcutter who supplies him with wood for his clay oven. Mm-hmm. Okay. My question to you is, does the potter have integrity? No. Good. Yeah. You understand what integrity means. Yeah. yeah.
0: I think, you know, why I asked you this, I was, I was talking to a, a renowned uh, Vedanta sage, a saint before a few few months okay and i asked him this question that what is integrity sir? and he said that when your physical emotional intellectual and spiritual personality all are functioning in sync together that is integrity and that is an integrated personality
1: i wish i was as wise as that person <laughs> <laughs> not put it so beautifully and thank yeah,
0: you but, but but in a way your story reflected uh, you know the same thing And I thought it's a good point to share with you.
1: Thank you. It is. It is.
0: Um, When I was reading about you and I read about HCM in particular, higher um, human capital management, I kind of termed it for you as higher consciousness management. (laughs) What is is for you uh, selflessness?
1: Um, I think there comes a time in meditation when the, the unity of the world becomes very apparent. It becomes so apparent that you strive to look for divisions and you cannot find them. So in um, Sanskrit, we hear, "Soham." I am that. Okay, you read about Advait and that is very good. That is excellent because unless the intellect knows what it is looking for, it will not identify the right path when it gets there. But at that point, the beauty of the world, the natural beauty of the world and its unified whole, becomes very apparent and you start feeling a sort of universal love in your heart, which Cannot be described, cannot be explained, and uh, for someone as you know less informed as me, definitely cannot be uh, taught or described to other people. But you feel it every moment. You feel it when you touch a tree. You teach it. You touch it with love, uh, and that you know it is not. We are using the same four letters, love, but um, one would not be able to describe the selflessness of that love because. At that point the concept of self becomes merged with the unity of the whole. At that point you do not see the bubble which mm. is in, in a sea of bubbles. You do not see the wave which is in a sea of waves because mm. the wave has no individual identity. The bubble has no individual identity yet every wave is necessary to me- make that beautiful uh, panorama that the sea waves make.
0: And it seems to me that you have reached or encountered those moments in meditation.
1: Yes, one has been meditating for a long time. And I think that one has been blessed.
0: Beautiful, beautiful, ecstatic. That is blissful, I would say. Now, coming to a little bit of your corporate career, HCM and what you have done, it's an an intersection of things which I'm probably hinting at. Uh, Why is still the corporate world, and particularly corporate India, which probably had more ethos in it, there was more um, culture, but we have all emulated, mostly, the Western style, and it's all about KPIs and metrics. So how do you see this changing the fabric of people? and what needs to be done and i see particularly that you say that i advise promoter led management yes because i think a change over there if possible influence over there if there are more ears open over there
1: so first let me uh, uh, share a few things which will make you very happy last to last year i think while doing research for a client and they said up the promoter led organizations ka puch so i did some research Hmm. Uh, Almost 80% of our GDP in the industrial sector is still being generated by promoter-led or family-owned businesses in India. Uh, The second thing is for the last many years, almost four or five years now since I started this work with promoter-led organizations, I've been researching Indian business practices. Um, Believe me, we do not even start to scratch the surface with Western business practices. Oh wow so deep, hmm. so well thought out, so hmm. well structured and so well implemented that there is I mean if an MBA graduate comes out today, they need to do an internship in a family owned organization to understand and uh, let's let's take a few numbers okay uh, Think of an American organization that is 100 years old and still in the fortune 500. Yeah. So uh, uh most people would be hard pressed. yeah now I'll give you a few names. Tata, yeah, Birla, yeah. think a little bit lower. Mm. okay, And there is a whole bunch of family-owned businesses which have endured for multiple generations, more than a century. Mm. Okay So obviously there must be something that these businesses are doing right. Mm. They remain profitable, they sustain. They remain family-owned and they're able to keep families together. And mostly people say that this is true of, you know, uh, Marwadi, Gujarati business houses, but it is also true of business houses from other parts of the country. And the more one has learned about these business practices, the more one realizes that one hasn't scratched the surface. There is so much to do there. In everything, in risk management, HCM definitely, And they have, I think, instead of avoiding the social fabric of India, they have used that as the wind beneath their wings to give more flight to that kite that they are flying. Mm -hmm. They have used those structures to their advantage. They have used native Indian education to their advantage. It is just, it has been such a beautiful learning journey. If I ever do a PhD, it will be on Indian business practices.
0: Talking about native Indian education and school education today. School education today is completely instructional. Yes, there is nothing about native Indian education really over there, and yes. probably some of the organisations which you have worked with or you know dealt with have had people who have that kind of a element in them, that kind of a spirituality in them, of a flame of advaita somewhere to mm-hmm. kind of you know who have tasted this and knows that taste is so beautiful I have to give it to others. Hmm. but but it's not in schools it's not in colleges at all
1: yes you have to remember that this education was given to us to make clerks hmm. our native education was given to us to make entrepreneurs everyone had to earn for themselves or die it didn't matter whether you were a potter or a businessman
0: and how do we come o- come over this as a society how do we come over this
1: if we just, it has helped, at least for me and other parents who, uh, of, so you know, ask me sometimes to just go back and listen to your grandparents. They know what needs to be done. So okay. when people ask me, how do you parent your son? I tell them exactly the way my grandmother parented me. There is no change.
0: <laughs>
1: so uh, thankfully, our wisdom in India is uh, orally transmitted. So, while a lot of historians tell us kuch documented nahi hai, we don't know parta system kya hota hai, we don't know hundi system kya hota hai. It was only the Western um, economic historians who sat and documented what hundi means and stuff like that. But before that, there were other trade practices and negotiable instruments which have not been documented. I tell them, it doesn't matter. doesn't mean it's lost. All you need to go is do is go and sit in that bazaar, sit next to the lala ji and ask sir, sit there for a week, you will know what needs to be done yeah we make the mistake of assuming that not documented is the same as not available that is not the case
0: yeah and particularly in India I think even if it is lost there are sparks carrying it here and there in different parts of the country we have for them but they are carrying that wisdom with them
1: yes that wisdom and that um, I think our practices even our cooking pots have not changed Hmm. Since Harappa. 4,500 years we've been cooking in the same shape of pots.
0: <laughs> I don't know about that. I'll have to do a little bit of study. <laughs>
1: okay. Contentment is one of the world's most underrated virtues. And um, people who ask me, Aap aise kaise I tell them, what that means is keep your intellect high and your ego low or, or your sense of self low. Uh, so you will, how do you expect me to brag or think ye kar diya. Din mein do wo ho. then every time we do ardas, it says Nanak naam tere ka bhala. Din mein teen you make me listen to that and wonder how I think Pasudah become. So it is a lot of our, um, over the years, and this journey for me started when I was 14, uh, digging into uh, the traditional wisdom of India and how it is strewn all around us. After 30, 30, yeah, 30, 31 years, this journey has only become deeper. Pay attention to what's happening around you, and there is, you know, life is sorted. There is enough to learn. It's like a university uh, that you cannot even. Finish the first year off.
0: At 14, they started, it was because of home?
1: It was because of a book called A.L. Basham, The Wonder That Was India.
0: What is that book? A. Uh,
1: the Wonder That Was India. Okay. It's a book of history. It's a really fat book of history. Oh, I right. liked history. So I read this book. Hmm. And uh, this author has covered absolutely everything. Indian sculpture, Indian art, Indian script. Uh, the the fact that the Indian alphabet, the Devanagari alphabet is phonetically structured, I learned from A.L. Basham. Not from my Hindi teaching.
0: When you talk, when you shared this, I was just thinking what someone told me. Uh, or, he was also a He all the time, most of us, majority of us, are in awe of what has been created, are in awe of the creation. Mm. But take your Badlo, take your eyes away from that and imagine the creator. If the creation is so beautiful, what would the creator be? True. And if you can think about the creator. And that point exactly comes what you spoke about your meditation and those moments of getting into that expanse, that unity in diversity. He said you will become so much more effective and so much more efficient. And we see that in you today. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I think it was, it was a real pleasure to speak with you today. Um, I look forward to meeting you in person, learning a few things and trying to see what we can do together with you for Aurangabad for the Visually Challenged over here.
1: Oh, for sure. For sure. And it'll be a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you.